Welcome to Direction Correct, a people's podcast with Colin Scott. Today's guest, nobody. Thanks to our sponsors, Worklytics. Generate actionable insights from work data while protecting your privacy using workplace analytics with our partners, Worklytics. Hey, Cole, remember that time I recorded that entire pod and the audio, eh, not so great? I do remember that time. That time is right now. <laughs> well, what you're about to listen to isn't great audio quality, but there's a lot of good nuggets in there. Uh, we apologize for the difficulties, uh, but we'll see you next week with a better pod. We're sorry, and thanks from Directionally <laughs> Correct. I don't know. Have you ever been to England, though? Like, seen, like, uh, Westminster Abbey? I went to England and saw Westminster Abbey as a senior trip in high school. Holy cow, man. That's awesome. Yeah. It was a little while ago, too, so it's kind of, I'm kind of, memories are fading somewhat. I mean, the good news for you is, like, you go in there, and, like, it's, like, so historic. It's, like, got these bones from, like, 1045. It's like, what the heck's going on here? It's insane. So, I mean, like, even if it was high school for you, I think it's okay. I remember there was, like, you know, they had, like, was it, like, William Shakespeare or Chaucer or somebody's, like, buried there, like, some, like, famous people. I know our our British guests are just going to be told oh, yeah. right now for not knowing this stuff, but uh, <laughs> we, we got a new king. I get emails from uh, Nigerian princes. I mean, it just runs the gamut. Uh, your your life is filled with royalty. Royalty. Well, I mean, what do you think about the new king? I I have no thoughts. I th- I have it doesn't impact my life in any way. However, it is cool. It's it's like a. I hear the British don't really enjoy it because you have his family like siphoning money off of like the public taxpayers, but uh, it's it's a cool like cool kitschy thing. Something we don't have in. You know, I thought they were independently wealthy. I thought they just had money. I, I guess, Is that wrong? I don't know. I really don't know how it works. I remember hearing J.K. Rowling had more money than the Queen at one point when after Harry Potter came out. That was interesting. And so I just assumed that it's like, oh, the queen is just like the richest person in the country, but no longer J.K. Rowling should be queen. I don't know. Have you taken the kiddos to, I think it's Universal Studios where they got like the Harry Potter like mm-hmm. world or something like that? I've never been to Disney World or Universal Studios. I haven't been since I was a little child. And mm-hmm. from what I see and hear, like it's just exorbitantly expensive. It's like insane. Yeah. Like, what I heard is, you know, you get the fast passes to like not stand in line. And so the real line's like two hours. The fast pass line's like one hour because everybody <laughs> gets the fast passes. Is there like a Kim Kardashian like super fast line where it's like you just. Well, I think those are the ones they buy out the whole park and then it's just yeah, them for their kids. It. And yeah, that's what the queen does. It's so I guess not anymore because she's not with us like anymore. It's version of heaven, right? It's like, I'm just going and just. I mean, I sincerely wouldn't know if it was heaven or not. I've never been. What do you, What do you think like heaven's like? Like, if if you had to guess, or what 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 would you want it to be like? Is it better? It's probably cloudy. I feel like everything. You always have a cloud. Oh, oh, like clouds. like sitting around on a cloud. I don't know. Okay. I have not put a lot of mileage into thinking about this. That's fair. That's fair. I, I would like. I would hope it would be filled with stats and statistics. So it's like, how much time did you spend? in uh traffic and you're like you could be like oh, god damn it's like 47 days and like how much time did you spend like watching the office i'm afraid to say this but i think you might be talking about hell 
<laughs> hell is where people are having to do right? statistics. How many miles did you walk in your lifetime? It'd be insane. For eternity, you have to run correlations by hand. <laughs> no calculators, no gender of AI, no, just by hand. No chat GBT. Well, <laughs> the queen. God save the queen or... Is that how the expression goes? Well, I mean, this God save the king now. Like, king it's a moment of her death. Like, everything switches over to the king. So, the um, Nathan becomes God save the king, and oh. all the money turns into a picture of is it Charles. I think it's Charles. My wife watched that show on Netflix about the queen when she was younger. Really? Crap. I watched a few of the episodes with her. The queen? Is it called the queen? I have no idea. It was, it was really popular, too. Like, I'm not just like, saying some obscure reference um but it, i know a lot about the queen's early life <laughs> because of that show but i don't know much about her later life or about the new king other than he's like a really old dude isn't he <laughs> he was sitting there waiting for his unfortunately his mother to pass away for quite a while at least step yeah. down okay. i think he like took the throne at like 20 and like lasted till 90 95 100 i don't know how old she was when she passed away well, he may not be king for very long i mean according to actuarial tables you know women <laughs> women last longer than men do so he better be looking over his shoulder uh, is five minutes of fame they say everybody gets their 15 minutes of fame so better enjoy it what do you want to talk about today man it's good seeing you in person too it's good seeing you in person look you're wearing the same thing you were wearing what a week ago two weeks ago i, I have well, we could talk about this if you want. I'm a pretty minimalist person. I have a stable yeah. number of hangers in my closet. And when a new shirt is bought, an old shirt is removed. And so I only have a set number of shirts. You got your starting lineup. I like mm-hmm. that. I like that a lot. So they do change every so often when shirts get worn out. But I, I'm not one of these people that has just tons and tons of clothes. Boy, I, it's like a, a cluttered world, cluttered mind. It's minimalism is the way to go. It really is. Like, I don't know, you see me every week. I simply have the same shirt and like five of this shirt, really. I'm like, yeah, I'm like Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just wear a black hoodie, but I wear the same like Patagonia shirt. It's like, that's pretty rich of you, Scott, <laughs> talking about my shirt wearing habits when I'm pretty sure I've seen that Patagonia shirt. Like, 50 times on the podcast. I'm just the uh, cast in stone, so I do best. I don't know. We got any more good shirt talk? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we could. I'm sure we could go shirt talk. We're retitling the podcast for direction correct shirt talk. No, we may need to like cancel this whole. Did you ever listen to NPR? Well, I mean, like, I, I do listen to it, especially on weekends. There used to be a show called Car Talk. Oh, Click and Clack. Yeah, Car Talk. It was like these northeastern dudes. That's all. I never really listened to it, but I remember them saying, "It's car talk." <laughs> and be like, "We got shirt talk." It was cool. That's all I got, man. This is what you get. This, this is, is what you get. But I, I know that you come from a family that you yourself proclaimed that they uh, they like to argue and they like to get loud, right? That is correct. I come from. I don't know why. So on my mom's side, everybody were pilots. And on my dad's side, everybody were lawyers. Airplane pilots, and, really? Yeah, airline pilots. I know this. For some reason, both both of them like to argue. So I'm just cut from the cloth of people who like to argue a lot. I, I guess both professions like are people in control, like uh, like egos, and like mm-hmm. you gotta like take the reins in both sort of professions. Yeah, a lot of god complex stuff going on there. Do you? 
do you have like a family of loud talkers or are you quiet type no we, we are we are reserved and we are quiet and it, it kind of goes along with oh i think i've already annoyed you in the past with like a my theory of like the more monitors you have the less efficient you are in your job and uh i, I sprung my my new theory on you that uh the more wheels you have at the airport, the more annoying that I find you as far as like to be around and this sort of thing. Yeah, but I feel like that's not an opinion. That's a fact. Okay. <laughs> I like that. But like people that are like loud and boisterous, they, they, they have a sphere around them. And the same with like the people with the luggage and same with the people with the monitors. I guess they just like have an aversion to things taking up space. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. I was just, again, I'm doing like a mental inventory of how many wheels I have on my luggage. Cause I'm like, I think I check all these boxes. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's the yin and the yang. Definitely. But like, you, you also see people like, like they're like, they'll state things like very confidently in like say a meeting or something like that. And you're like, yes, but, but like they, they tend to get like a really good reaction, but that sort of overconfidence isn't necessarily a good thing. You mind if I derail us a little bit for a second? Yeah, of course. So the yes, but type often get this feedback in their life. And so they've done this brilliant trick and I'm putting brilliant in quotes okay. where they go. Yes. And uh, a little improv. Have you seen this? No, no. It's, it's like, it's literally, they just continue to say what they were always saying, but instead of saying, but they say, and it's like, I think you don't mean what you're saying because <laughs> they still have the same meaning, but they've gotten the feedback that they shouldn't be saying but, so they say and instead. It's it's uh, it's a jujitsu trick. It's the same thing you would use in a dissertation defense. It's like use someone's momentum against them. Like mm -hmm. they come at you with questions. You're like, I agree with you, Cole. And here's something totally different that re doesn't relate to anything you just said because it's the point that I really wanted to make. Or it's more like, I agree with you and... I disagree. With you. <laughs> it's like, I don't think you understand the word and <laughs> going back to what you were saying before loud talkers. Have we like, what, what, what made you bring that up? Well, it was because one of the things we were going to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> like, Isn't it? I think that you have failed to read the agenda. No, I'm trying to tee you up, man. <laughs> well, I thought I was teeing you up. No, no, oh. no. Well, we, we did find this tweet uh, from Adam Grant. We're going off the rails here. I love it. Already. I love it. <laughs> um, we pay too much attention to the most confident voices and too little attention to the most thoughtful ones. Certainty is not a sign of credibility. Speaking assertively is not a substitute for thinking deeply. It's learn from complex thinkers and smooth talkers. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there. First is... That just because like someone like states something doesn't necessarily mean that it's correct. And I, I think this real point is like listen to all the voices in the room, not just the loudest voices of the people who state things the most uh, succinctly. Because there's a lot of nuance that's involved here. And I, I immediately go to like the Dunning Kruger effect. Like the people that say things the most matter of factly typically don't have a full understanding or appreciation of the total the total, I don't know what you would ever call it, the universe that, that it yeah. resides in. Well, what's the Dunning-Kruger effect in case somebody's not familiar with that? The Dunning-Kruger effect is that the people with low to moderate ability tend to overrate their overall knowledge of a topic. Whereas the people with the most knowledge tend to work in uh, uh, non-absolutes. Yeah. Well, it's because if you really know something, it's very difficult to speak about it in absolute terms. 
right? You're always, you know, caveating here. Well, it, but in this case, there, it's not really true. And so you, you spend all your time saying what's not true, just so you can say this one little clip of what is true. And that doesn't sound as good as, I know what I'm talking about, loud talking to you. I think that's one of the massive benefits of like going through a PhD program is like you, or you go through the comms process and you realize what you don't know or what the holes are in your answers or what the holes are in the field such that you can connect dots later on. Um, so like uh, some people say like the criterion problem is solved. Hey, fantastic. <laughs> like, no, no, it's probably <laughs> not, not. Not even, not even remotely true. It's a good title though. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's publish a paper. We've, we've solved yeah. the criterion problem. When I've described it before like this, I've actually described starting a new job like this too, but it's kind of like getting a PhD. Um, it's like you're in a, the biggest room in history, like an indoor room and all the lights are turned off and so it's dark. And just imagine, you know, like the little Christmas bulb lights that like go outside, yeah. they're very small, like really tiny lights. And it's like you had a, a random number generator that would randomly turn on one of those lights everywhere in the room every time you learned a new piece of information. And there's a point in time where the room is fully illuminated, where you can actually start to see, um, but it takes a while. Uh, that's a really interesting perspective or like a visual image that you're painting there. Uh, I, I like the light analogy because it quite is like illuminating, illuminating mm -hmm. your brain with these sort of ideas. It, there, there's also the aspect of just like, at first you don't have any like Bayesian priors. You don't have any prior knowledge to draw on. Like you, you learn... It's the same thing if, like, if you find an article that you really like, that on, like a topic that you're not familiar with, like, this is the best article I will ever read. Or like, I read my first, like, I don't know, uh, intro textbook. Like, this is the best textbook I've ever read. It's like, no, it's probably not. I mean, just if, like, logically, it's probably not. Uh, and the more it is also the worst at the same time. That, that, that is true. That is true. And in that case, I think you just drop the topic and never uh, approach it again. <laughs> So that's how we learn so don't be a dunning kruger and i swear i think this must have been one of our early episodes i think i may be just making this up but we found an article where the authors of the dunning kruger article overestimated their abilities <laughs> to analyze the dunning kruger data i swear i i found that at one point or another it sounds vaguely familiar yeah or like and the i was dunning kruger like, effect wasn't real or or it was like it was like minimized because they hadn't like known enough statistical knowledge to analyze the data properly. So I was like talking about the meta irony. It's kind of like truthiness to it, though, right? It's like yeah. good callback, good word, truthiness. But we all know that the Dunning Kruger effect is uh, alive and well. But you know what is also alive and well, or about to be on the precipice here anyway is uh ai technology and the impact that it has on the youngest employees so this is like youngest or newest well they, they say the youngest so i mean i guess you could do it either way but the idea is that managers are going to use and prefer to use generative ai to handle small routine tasks as opposed to handing those off to their younger or perhaps less tenured employees such that, um, you know, it's easier. It's just easier to do these sort of things as opposed to like how to train somebody and like coach them up. All these sort of things that young employees, new employees need to go through to understand the culture, need to understand just basic mm, 
interaction with leaders, et cetera, they're not going to get that sort of mentoring anymore if we continue down this line of AI technology. And uh, this is a, just a tweet that like really piqued my attention, but there's two supporting bits of information here. One is an article uh, entitled The Effects of Remote Work on Collaboration Among Information Workers, where they collected email, calendar, IM, video calls, all sorts of crazy stuff from 61,000 Microsoft employees. And they found that uh, people became more static and siloed, fewer bridging connections, uh, decreased uh, in uh, synchronous connections and more asynchronous connections, all this sort of stuff. And overall, it meant that employees were less likely to uh, acquire and share information. And another one was the blinkered boss. How has uh, manager behavior changed with the shift to virtual work? So they conducted uh, surveys and they found that uh, Managers have changed their behaviors in three different ways. Uh, one is they turn more inward. So once again, become more siloed. They became more task focused at the expense of building relationships. So once again, you get this, fail to get this relationship with the other, uh, perhaps your subordinates and fewer opportunities to develop new skills. So you're working from home. Don't, don't really seek out growth opportunities anymore. Interesting. And this is a really interesting thought. And I think it kind of, it syncs with like, I would call a meta trend in society of kind of the hollowing out of entry-level positions altogether. Say more. What, what does that mean? I guess, uh, put it in a personal context. Do you want to go to the 27th best doctor or the best doctor? Do you want to go to the a car mechanic who's been doing it for 20 years or somebody who started being a car mechanic last week? Right. Right. Do you want to hire somebody who has 10 years of Excel experience? I mean, say what you will about Microsoft Excel, but would you rather somebody who just started learning Excel last week or somebody with 10 years of experience doing Excel? Of course. I think that there's this macro trend across society, like looking for saying like we as a consumer and in thinking of it this way, a boss is a sort of a consumer of sorts. If they're hiring, they're consume, they want to consume like who are they going to hire? Right. What kind of person do right. I want on my team? And like the tolerance level for someone learning on the job has just been actively decreasing over time. And I just see what's going on with what you're saying with like generative AI and, and it could affect the relationships. It could affect their technical skills. It could be a lot of different things, but that, you know, it's going to be tough to be an entry level employee in anything. It's going to be tough to be entry level. Um, I, I, there, there is some initial evidence that suggests that like, Generative AI will help the lowest skilled employees the most. And hell, we saw this on a uh, previous pod where, was it robots in surgery? It helped the lowest skilled surgeons the most, but those ones with like the median skills, like refused to use it because they had this sort of eh, Dunning-Kruger effect. And yeah. they like thought that they knew more than they actually did and therefore like committed more uh, sort of uh, uh, accidents, what have you. I mean, I think we're going to do the same thing with like, I don't know, call center workers or um, uh, administrative sort of task where it's going to raise the performance bar of these sort of lower non-knowledge non, uh, worker sort of skills to the point where it's like, what does good performance look like? I know, I know we're going down like a totally different path than we started. Let's do it, man. And I'll even continue to build on this. I think it's coming from knowledge worker jobs. I don't think it's oh, just yeah. low skill jobs. Absolutely. 
I would actually make the argument it might be coming from more for knowledge worker jobs. I think we all assumed it was going to be the call center folks first. And I think what's really coming out of it is like it's making PowerPoints better than <laughs> corporate workers make PowerPoints. And it's like, what, what do I really need a corporate worker for if they're not making PowerPoints and using Microsoft Excel? What was the world going to be like when like you get like robot PowerPoint maker meets robot PowerPoint reader and it's just those two talking to each other? It's like, okay, why do we even have people here anymore? I think it gets to kind of an existential question, which I think we were sort of talking about with Rob uh, Stilson. <clears throat> like, what's the point of meetings and like, who do they benefit? Yeah. You know? Because <laughs> we, it really becomes sort of arbitrary and kind of hilarious to think about two machines sitting down to have a 30-minute meeting to de to, de <laughs> to unpack like what the presentation said and then like say, all right, is somebody taking notes today? You know, <laughs> do we have an agenda? Like I just imagine two machines saying that to one another. Yes, we are definitely taking notes. There's other like crazier stuff on the horizon, which uh, I, I wish we got into with Rob, but like things like uh, uh, you can clone yourself, like virtually clone yourself in the sense of like Cole makes, I don't know, 1000 management decisions. Let's, let's look at all of his management decisions. And uh, in this particular case, he would make this choice 98% of the time. So now imagine like uh, you have a group in Aus Australia. It's three in the morning here. They need an answer now. You would make this choice 98% of the time. Your robot clone, false clone, could just be like, all right, I approve this because probability, real Cole would make that same choice. I think these are decisions that we're going to have to cross the Rubicon of in the next few months, weeks, or years. It's and it kind of goes back to, uh, was it, it was either two or three weeks ago, we used that IBM slide from 1979 that said yeah. a computer cannot make a decision because a computer cannot be held accountable. So insofar as, you know, they're making a decision and can be held accountable for that. But here's what really gets screwy is if they're making a predicted decision on your behalf, but you're held accountable to the decision they make for you. That's where it's going to be messed up. Like Minority Report, like, you would have made this decision, therefore, you're going to jail. You would have eaten the whole bag of Cheetos <laughs> had we not stopped you. It's like, I promise I wouldn't have eaten all the Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, there, there is a real issue that I don't think we've really talked about, like, going back to, like, uh, new employees, or like freshly minted out of school, this sort of thing. And you, you need to be socialized. You need to understand uh, basic business etiquette, or at least right now you do anyway. Who knows? And five yeah, it's years. like, do you? Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's, I feel like all business wisdom is being challenged at the moment. Do you feel like, I feel like everything's being challenged at the yeah. moment? But just because, boy, it's so revolutionary. Like, yeah. I don't, we're, we don't know what we're even getting into. I, I think, but I would argue that it has the potential to be revolutionary. It is for sure evolutionary. It is, it yes. is improving at a rapid rate. And depending on key decisions that are made over the next few months or years, or maybe even six months ago, and we just don't know the outcome of it yet, um, whether it is truly a revolution that displaces a lot of people, or if regulation is going to, you know, and we'll talk about this a little bit later in the nerdery about some new regulatory measures that are coming. But I, I'm just curious, like, let, let, let's put it kind of closer to home here for a second. 
is there thinking of like generative AI use cases in like you both of us have worked primarily in HR functions, even if we weren't doing traditional HR work. Mm -hmm. um, is there a use case for an HR technology using generative AI that you'd be like, oh, that would be so sweet if I had that? Like, what can you think of anything like that? Generative AI technology. Um, okay. Uh, any sort of dashboard. If you could attach some sort of like predictive analytics on top of it and then be prescriptive. So like someone looks at a dashboard and say like, mm -hmm. uh, you're a boss and we're seeing, or it, the computer's seeing these sort of patterns in your team, perhaps even deep patterns that a researcher would never even notice. Here are four things that you should do with your team right now. That's kind of wild. Um, this wasn't meant to be a plug, but we're actually, we're not that far, but we're actually already doing that. Um, but that, that's not where I was going with this. I was, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I was like, I wish I had an app that, is it like there's the advent, have you heard about like these auto GPTs? I, I think a lot of it's vaporware, to be honest with you, but I think there's some real use cases where essentially they're just going behind the scenes and linking via API, a bunch of different applications. So let's say you linked your bank account to your Expedia account to your your spouse's account and you planned a whole trip, you know, to Hawaii with like the click of a button gotcha. and they got you the cheapest price and they knew everything about you. And so they got you the, the hotel that you would like the most and they booked the excursions for you and everything. And it like that, that's what it's sort of like. I don't think it actually works that well yet, but just go with me for the sake of argument. I think about that in my personal life. I wish I woke up in the morning. There was a, like through my work, an application that said, hey, we we analyzed your day, and 42% of the work is added to be automated and low value added. So we just went and did it for you. And like now it's left uh, because you have 42% of your day freed up. Here's what the prioritized tasks that we think that you would actually like to do and that would add the most value and how you can kind of contribute here. And we're going to actually like enable you to like open up those tabs on your computer and start working on it if you so choose. And you can, you're, you're training the algorithm to get better and better and know you more and more. And like, I think that would be super helpful. Right. I mean, that's the promise of like a personal assistant right there, yeah. personal digital assistant. But it, I would love it. And that would be great in your personal life too. But I think if, if that was a part of like your Google suite or your Microsoft suite or something, that would be amazing. Right. And then the other one I think about is like a lot of what HR has to do is just mundane BS. And I see like the promise. I actually see a lot of people posting about from a mental health standpoint that these GPTs have been really helpful in helping them like feel better about a problem that they're having or like get less burned out. I met and if you like talk to HR business partners and chief people officers, a lot of what they do is like being an organizational therapist, really. Like they have to talk to the talk people off the ledge at work from quitting. In, in theory, in theory, what what I would like, I'll go, I'll go to the dark mirror route that you were <laughs> complaining about a while ago. Yeah. It's like if you don't have that sort of mundane or like the relationship building or like this this sort of thing, does that impact in a negative way the other aspects of your job? Like if you had nothing but cotton candy all day, you wouldn't enjoy that anymore. It, take your least favorite task, right? Okay, we'll say take your least. No, I'm just saying it's for the sake of argument. Take your least favorite task at work, and what if you knew that it could be divided in half? That, that's that would be great. Be I don't great. think that's Black Mirror by any stretch of the imagination. 
I don't think I'm really making the point that I, I was really intending to make either. Um, but it's 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 a wild it's a wild ride, and I don't know. I just think that it companies are always going to these like weird use cases, and I feel like there's like bread and butter stuff that could be focused on right now, and I don't see anybody focusing on it. And so I, I wish that they would reapply their efforts to tackling these type of problems. That is, and we have a we have a uh, article here. Uh, essentially, shows that. Uh, one once again, our friend Ethan Mollick had uploaded uh, U.S. Census data and a data dictionary into ChatGPT with Code Interpreter. And he said, "I would like you to generate some interesting draft hypotheses about industries, and then test them with the data. Make assumptions if you need to." And God, it did it. And not only did it do it, it wrote a research article. I believe it's even in like APA format about the findings, which currently we are not at the pinnacle of what this is going to be by any means, but this yeah. is, this is really, really, and like, okay, go back to the earlier statement. Okay. Draft these hypotheses, make this research paper, turn into a PowerPoint. You got your whole job. You got your whole job completed. It, I mean, I, I literally wrote an article about this. I called it the inquisitor and the change agent. Mm -hmm. So if that that future state comes to bear, what is the value of the analyst? It's ask who's going to ask it the best research mm -hmm. questions and what hypotheses to test. Insofar, he's not doing that yet, right? And also, who can take the output of the research and change the world more effectively? So it's the inquisitor and the change agent. Those are the two things that people are going to be responsible for. And I, I keep seeing it over and over again because they say this is all of what an analyst does. It's like it's not all of what an analyst no, does. No, and I think these are the sort of the elements that you're referring to of like what if we could automate part of our job, like writing a research paper. It, it, I do get in the flow state and uh, have fun doing it. You know, trying to craft uh, uh, GG plot tables. It's <laughs> while can be fun is also very tedious, especially when it's not working right. But like, what if you could concentrate on those aspects that are like. Uh, what are most creative or like interviewing folks to draw connections across different studies. Uh, that's where people are going to really be involved in the process. Right. Let's nerd out for a second. No, I know we're not in the nerdery we yet. Well, no, I would, I want to hear why I think there's a, we have the one audience in the world that would actually appreciate the discussion we're about to have. What is it about ggplot that you like? And what, what makes it intellectually stimulating and what makes it get you into that flow state? What do I like about ggplot? Or, I mean, you were, you were using it as an example of saying, hey, pull, like, I understand that automation is coming. Yeah. I'm just kind of re-parroting back what I heard from you. I heard, I know automation is coming, but there's things that are going to be automated that I actually like doing, right? And I find joy and I find, and so... There's a loss, there's a, a death of sorts that's happening by losing that ability to do it. And so what I'm hoping to hear is like, what is the thing that you appreciate about that? Yeah, I think, okay, I think that we're making like, uh, we're circling back on each other and the points that we're trying to make around this like loss of mm -hmm. the past through automation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as far as like GGBot, it kind of, it kind of feels like, art, it feels artistic. Like you get to make design choices and like, it's it's silly if you compare it to actual art, but you know, like it's not silly though. This is this is what I want to come back to because like one of the things that I know about you that I don't think our audience really knows is how you you are incredibly 
I hate to use the word, but you're incredibly generative. Like you're not an AI, but you are generative. You're creative and it's your aesthetic and it's, it's awesome. And so I love, you know, hearing you talk about this kind of stuff. And I want to share it with the world. Oh, well, thank you so much. That, that's very, very kind of you. Yeah. I always got some sort of like arts and crafts going on in the background, which I don't even share with you just because it's too nerdy. But like, I, I, I do, I enjoy making like kind of elaborate plots and this sort of thing. It's not uh, necessarily for work even like i do like sort of like by the way if anyone out there is like interested go to uh tidy tuesday on uh, twitter and they have like a whole bunch of these gg plot nerds out there making just absolutely beautiful beautiful graphs i think that kind of brings up another point of just something i wanted to talk to you about today i think a lot of times we talk about on this podcast you know what are some of the things that you know are, are kind of like frustrating us or what we think the future should look like or what don't we like but I've been thinking a lot about like, what are the things I'm grateful for? You know, what are, what are some of the things that I'm excited about? And I, I, I mean, just to keep it kind of on track, I am excited about a lot of the AI stuff that, and, yeah. and kind of like if somebody would go out and build those technologies or even like a fourth of those technologies, it doesn't have to be the whole thing. I think it would do some good in the world, but I'm also just personally, I'm grateful. You know, I'm grateful for this podcast. I'm grateful to have you as a friend. I'm grateful that my wife and my family <laughs> let me do all this wild ass shit that we're always doing. And it, I think it's been so cool how many doors this has opened up to making real connections with real people and to talk home to like the GG plot thing. I love learning about what makes other people enjoy work. Right. That's the core of IO right there. Just going and talking to people and understand what they get out of it. And so that's my main hope is like through this evolution or revolution that we're going through, that we don't lose the humanity of what people are enjoying about work. Like I always tell my teams in the past, like don't create the future of work you don't want to live in. Yeah. Right? So don't go build the Black Mirror shit. Go build stuff that's going to make a future more humane, but it can be more productive and more humane. There is a two by two chart to be had there where you can do both. You're kind of like talking about like the Star Trek universe right there where like you got a computer controlling everything, but the people are still running around and, you know, man systems and this sort of thing. But You're treading on thin water or thin <laughs> ice, sir. You're losing me by the second. <laughs> but I, 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 I think you're right. It's, it's good to give back gratitude because like we shit on things. What are some things that you, you you appreciate or you're grateful for that you've enjoyed throughout this podcast? Oh, like as, as far as the podcast, well, like uh, I go back to like it started out with just you and me having great conversations and like we're in the middle of pandemic and uh, it's like, well, this is fun. Like I've lost a lot of connections overall. Like let's share it with other people. Let's hey, let's invite other people, interesting people and just have some great conversations. It's really blossomed into um Something where, you know, we could share it at PSYOP and, like, have a whole bunch of people show up and... Uh, how wild is that? Like, how like how crazy is it? Like, something that you and I were doing... For fun. For fun, like, on Zoom. That you go to a random city like Boston at a random conference like PSYOP and people actually show up to hear it and listen to us talk to somebody. That's so wild. I don't know if it's really random. I mean, it is IOS. It's not like we went to like the firefighters convention and we're like, hey, here's some IOS topics, everybody. I mean, maybe the firefighters would like it. I don't know. <laughs> we could do some job analysis over there. You know, we, we can automate a good sense of humor. We can automate some job analysis over there. But no, it's been great getting to know you. It's uh, from a from a macro perspective, like um, you know, my parents are getting older, and like I think just the value of like personal health 
uh, that I have right now is exceptionally grateful for. Grateful for my back, my knees. And I give you a reason to come home and see your parents. Absolutely. Look at you. You're so <laughs> generous. <laughs> Thank you, Cole. I am generous in some ways. That's not one of them. <laughs> well, I think, are, are we going to do, I don't even know. Are we going to do a confusion matrix amongst each other? Or are we going to go straight nerdy? Uh, let's do a quick one. Uh, you can do a pick a number or you want to do a, yeah, we'll do a pick a number. They always go with low numbers, so I'm going to go with a high number. I'm going to go 27. Okay. What is the most junior thing that you were ever made to do on a job? Junior thing? Like like a menial task? Yeah. Like, uh, I have two examples on quickly off the top of my head. Uh, once I was, I interviewed at a, um, uh, they weren't advertisers, but they're like market research in Half Moon Bay, California. And I've only had two interviews that like went contentiously, like quite literally like where it was not going to work out. And this lady like was harping on me about like, are you willing to do menial tasks? I was like, like, okay, like what do you like clean the toilets? Like what are you, what are you talking about? She's like, no. Well, are you willing to uh, punch holes in paper and put them into a binder? I was like, yeah and she didn't believe me she asked me like three different times i guess like i was like totally kind of oh that's wild i didn't even think about that as like an option because i i used to work in the admissions office for my university and like that's all we did yeah like we didn't we didn't mail out into like manually like like literally you're folding pieces of paper sticking an envelope licking the envelope and closing it you do that for like thousands of envelopes I didn't really see that as meaningful. I just thought it was like or meaning or menial. I just that was like the job. It's part of your job, right? Yeah, I would say menial in terms of like corporate jobs I've had. I don't know why it came to my mind. It's probably not the most menial thing I did, but I the reason why it came up is because I was doing something recently and it came up again. Is I had a an executive at a prior company. They gave me a list of like fifteen or twenty other companies, and they say I want you to go in. And I want to actually kind of test you to see if you've ever heard of this term. I want you to go pull their 10Ks and go find these pieces of seven information, pieces of like seven pieces of information in each one and then give it back to me. Do you know what a 10K is? So, and I didn't at the time either. I do actually know a lot about it now. Um, (laughs) You get intimately involved with 10K. Yeah. Well, if you, again, I think this proves to us, like we did not go to business school because if we did, we would know every publicly traded company once a year has to file an annual report. I thought a 10 K was like a, you know, not like a, a something you are, you run in. Like it's like, oh, dang, the cancer 10 K is going on right now. I got to go run in that. No, but it's like a report that has like anywhere between like 50 and like 250 pages of information about a company, like risks to the company, financials of the company. It's very, very dense. And they wanted me, and this was like way before, you know, certain kind of technology. So I literally had to like read through it and and find the pieces of information they were working for and then like transcribe it. But I learned a lot about actually business acumen through the process. So it's funny enough, it actually helped me a lot in the long run by learning how businesses work, having to go do that weird project at the time. But then the other day, and this just killed me. I was doing, I was writing an article. It was the one about uh, workforce planning and tech layoffs. And I had to go find some information about like revenue and um, employee counts and stuff like that. 
And there's this website now that finds all the information that I had to go look up manually from the 10Ks. It has it for all the companies now. And it, like, it has it trended over like 30 years. And so you can go ham and do all the research you want to do. And I was like, man, I spent like weeks yeah. reading through 250 page reports that I could have had this website for. Well, there's always like this uh, lamenting of like the future generation that like doesn't have, or that has uh, tools that you don't have. Uh, but I think this kind of goes back to our discussion discussion of like the mentoring aspect so like you were asked to go look up these 10 10k reports whatever it is uh now a boss could just do it themselves but they're not going to give that to a younger employee anymore if they can just like type a few words into uh some sort of gpt eventually gpts are going to scrape that data you could ask them to do a whole research project and again that's going to come back to the inquisitor who's asking the right questions Mm -hmm. the right research questions and then again once the gpd does all of the analysis for you presumably correctly what are you going to do with that information and how are you going to enact change in the world yeah and like even at that case uh the younger employee like loses uh the insight that they may need so like now a boss would do this it spits all the information now there's no like discussion about like well how are you going to handle this like what what are you thinking here like what would be the great way, best way to position this information that you might get as a as someone that had to go look at that information and like hand it over yeah write your own thoughts well that was alexis's point when we recorded it with her at psyop is sometimes doing the menial task actually instills critical thinking absolutely in. absolutely you need and to so, at least do an anova by hand once to understand mm-hmm. what's going on well can i make kind of a radical statement just for the sake of discussion i don't know if i'm comfortable with that it's not super radical in in the terms of like societal issues or something but um what if like no one ever had to do a regression again? I mean, like, is is society really losing something if no one ever had to do a regret? Like no human being, a chat, a GPT might be doing it or something. But what if no human being ever again had to do a regression? Is that really a loss? There's got to be. There, there's definitely books on this, etc. But it's like I don't know how to build a car. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if anybody really knows how to build a car. Well, there's definitely people that could do it. There's people who there's know people how to build do cars. It. But like, uh, I know how to fill it up and like gas tank and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, I can buy a computer and, you know, this sort of thing. I couldn't build it from scratch. So like if, um, you know, a disaster hit of some sort and that car broke, <laughs> I'm not sure that we'd recover anytime soon. Am I making a cogent argument at all? You are. It's actually an interesting point. I remember, you remember back in like, I don't know, it's like maybe like 2014 or something. There was an airliner that was shot down over Ukraine. The Malaysian um, airliner? No, it was around the time of the Malaysian airliner. No, I think it might have been a Malaysian airliner, actually. Well, they, they, it was it, never shot down. Or it was or, like allegedly shot down. There was one like over Turkey or Turkey something. or something. Yeah. Well, I remember hearing a story that. For some reason, like, I guess, let's just say for the sake of argument, it was going from London to, like, Australia sure, or something, sure. right? That'd be a long-ass was... flight. Don't take that flight. Yeah. <laughs> that's not the point of the story. There was, like, some conference. like I think it was, like, genetics or something that was going on in Australia, wherever the destination was that that plane was going. Okay. And a disproportionate number of researchers in that field were on the plane yeah. and got shot down. And the field itself got set back, like, 10 or 15 years. Yeah. Because so much intellectual capital just randomly happened to be on that plane 
that was shot down or allegedly shot down. Well, I mean, this is why like a lot of companies won't let their uh, senior leaders find the mm-hmm. thing. There was a whole TV show about the. It, it's it was like when they do the State of the Union address in the United States, there's one yeah. person can't in the be, line can't of, be intended. Yeah, that can't be intended. There was a whole TV show that was named after that person. I can't remember what it's called. There's a name for it. Let's call it the glorified holdout. Sure, sure. You know, like the glorified holdout. The um, backup QB. Yeah, the backup QB. You've got to keep the backup QB in another plane because, <laughs> God forbid, you know, the plane goes down. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I got on that I subject. don't know how we went that far. Uh, I will say the most junior thing that I was ever made to do. You got it back on track. Yay, Scott did it. This has nothing to do with the corporate world. It's like summer after graduated high school. Uh, I worked on a construction site building gas stations. And as the most junior of junior, my job was either to like when there was nothing going on and like everyone was just sitting around, like either go pick up trash, you know, getting my $5 an hour, whatever minimum wage was at the time. Or uh, I was, this, this is the most junior thing, uh, hammer nails straight. So you got like, like bent up nails and like well, hammer them straight. Why? I don't know. They're probably just gonna throw them away anyway. But yeah, make them straight again. Just just because like either yeah. that or do push ups. It's like I need to be moving. It's that sort of like time is money sort of uh, mentality. You ever seen that movie Cool Hand Luke? It's a really old movie. No, I know of it though. It's an amazing movie. It's it's very timeless. But in that movie, like one of the things, these are about the guys in prison, and they make the guys move a pile of sand from one area to another area and then they say okay now you move yeah. it back to the original area and like with your shovels and like oh man this seems like the most demotivating meaningless work because you have to undo everything that you built well i mean this this goes back to like your uh, uh talk about like uh, routinizing menial tasks mm-hmm. it's like these sort of things will probably go away or hopefully go away where it's just like Take all the things that kill the spirit and remove them or remove them in so far as you can. Mm-hmm. Right. To, like the example I use from working in the admissions office, there are now technology that do the mailers, you know, that stuff the things. And so you don't have to lick the envelope anymore. I would have loved that. I, and maybe I would even be out of a job in some ways it, it had that happen. But God, that was, that was very menial work or, you know, a nail straightener. I mean, imagine that when uh, I was at pro ed, uh, and here I'll, I'll I'll do a little IO comparison here or like a, a analogy here. When I was at ProEd, um, we had to do these like mailers, just like you're talking about, and we'd get like a team together. It's so, like one person folds them up, another person mm-hmm. like stuffs it, another person like likes it, another person I don't know puts stamp on it, whatever. Yeah. Another person like stuffs it into like a, a mail bin or whatever. That's the easy job. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 the golden job right there. That's senior leader right there. <laughs> Bet you they like meetings too. <laughs> they love meetings, but like when we were uh, going through like teams, teams courses, I would use this as an example of teamwork. And of course, it's like one kind of team. It's a interdependent team, like a linear sort of team, as opposed to like the assembly know. line. Hmm? Assembly the line, assembly. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like just having sort of things you can draw on, like really colors these sort of conversations better than oh well, I was, I don't know, <laughs> on a Boy Scout team. <laughs> something i'm still stuck on the person who puts it in the box they're like that person has management material right there written all over mm, he's a go-getter take, take that the, the best think- is the person that like walks into a meeting and like 
perhaps they're not even the person that like called the meeting, but like they started assigning work to everybody, and like the meeting's over, and that person has nothing to do, and everyone else has all these tasks. Oh yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, we're going full circle to kind of the loud talker. <laughs> you just go in with confidence, and you can get anything in this world. Confidence goes like such a long way. Um, just because, just because, like people know what you tell them like you really expect them to be like oh well they're, they're gonna see my behaviors overall and like if i have this like pattern of things that i've done people don't remember people don't oh, yeah. remember it confidence is like a cheat code of human personality it's like what do cult leaders have what do con men have you know what do you know politicians have they all have an exuberant amount of confidence and they just pull once overs on people all the time like uh, along the same lines, uh, you want you want to do a little nerdery? Yeah, I mean, if this hasn't been the whole time, yeah, now it is. I kind of enjoy it. We're, we're having fun. Yeah, here, but uh, today's most critical challenges are about systems. So, uh, do, 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 do. Uh, org issues are caused by systems. Organizations tend to focus on individual levels and individual level assessments. Uh, pardon me, interventions. So, uh, for example, like uh, if you're having mental health, they'll give you mental health apps for well-being, but they don't address the underlying system. So it's like, uh, hey, Cole, you have burnout and your manager sucks. So here, have an app that tells you to breathe. Like that's not addressing <laughs> the fucking root cause here, are we? Uh, but they call it a super bias. It's essentially the fundamental attribution error. Assume the actions of others are due to their own behaviors and not to the circumstances that they're in, right? So we, we tend to overlook the system. And uh, overall, to combat this, he suggests uh, diversifying your collective intelligence. So this kind of goes back to what we talked about last week uh, with um, uh, having different points of view, different uh, genders, ethnicities, etc. Also, like neurodivergent sort of folks, uh, integrate context thinking, which is great. Think about how, what position someone is in before uh -huh. uh, understanding, before thinking about, oh, they're just a jerk. That's why they're acting this way. Uh, address stress. Uh, secure uh, broad input, which kind of goes back to point one, honestly, and adopt a change champion. But yeah. I mean, this kind of goes back to that fundamental attribution error that we have in folks, right? Yeah, I think we fundamental attribution error is one of the most difficult cognitive biases because we all see it in other people, but we very rarely see it in ourselves, <laughs> right? But uh, you 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 hit on something earlier that reminded me. I think I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, but it doesn't matter about my problem with nudging is. Like a lot of these like nudging softwares, they they commit the fundamental attribution error. They're like, oh, we notice from your communications, you're not seeming very engaged today. What if you decided to be engaged? And it's like nudging you to be, it's like, you're not getting at the root cause of the problem, kind of like to your point from earlier. Yeah. But the other thing, it makes me think of the famous Charlie Munger quote. Um, I love this quote. I've, I've probably mentioned it before on the podcast, too. But he's Warren Buffett's partner at Berkshire Hathaway. And yeah. he said, the system of incentives leads to the outcome that you're going to see. And that's why I always harp on, especially because, again, we've both worked in HR. And I've beat my head against this wall so many times in my career of reward good behavior and punish bad behavior. When you start, when your systems of incentives start rewarding bad behavior, 
everything gets fucked. It's just like you're, it can take a good culture and turn it into a bad culture almost immediately if you have the wrong set of incentives. And so it's really important to understand what is your system incentivizing? I mean, we could take this in just all sorts of directions from like organizations, but uh, will we talk about this as far as like the publishing racket? Like, why do people not pre-register their studies? Like, well, the incentives are not there personally. They're not there from the publishing uh, uh, journals. They're not there from apparently society in general uh, yeah. to actually do this. When my riff on this has always been about the scientist practitioner gap. It's because the incentives aren't for academics to publish with practitioners to do real research. Mm. The, 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 the incentives are to go do the most esoteric research topic in history and then publish on that for 40 years so you can get tenure and make a whole career out of it, not tackling real organizational problems. And I wish that we could bridge that scientist practitioner gap better. And I would actually say this wasn't one of the stated reasons we created this podcast, but it is one of the ancillary benefits of it is that we want to have both practitioners yeah. and active academics on so we can model the right behaviors even if they're not being incentivized. There's also the element of like an organization by definition is collaborative and a system in place. And uh, systems tend to be like robust against failure because of like the redundant and all these like extra issues that are going on. Uh, but that also means that like, if you have individual level um interventions then they're not likely to work uh and it's going to be hard for one person to mess up a system also yeah when one person can't change a system i guess unless they're like martin luther king or gandhi or something <laughs> but okay, so you know be an aspirational leader i don't know be, be a cold napper well let's let's move on to the next topic which i, I saw that i, I was surprised that this has not gotten more play in the people analytics space because it was introduced to the Senate. I just, I, I just saw from looking at it on February 2nd. And so again, we're in May now. It's called the Stop Spying Bosses Act was introduced to the U.S. Congress. Sounds dubious. Um, and, and the first line of the bill says, this bill establishes requirements for employers with respect to the collection and disclosure of certain worker data Software that are meant to like, you know, be used to monitor work or a worker who is off duty or in a sensitive area. You uh, use an automated decision system, which again is yeah. coming talking about machine learning and artificial intelligence, and it just all the different kinds of, you know, workplace surveillance um, tech that has come up during the pandemic and is now very pervasive. Um, again, I don't know why this isn't being talked about more because this is being adjudicated in the Senate currently. We're, we're so far behind. Like, all, all this sort of stuff should have been talked about 20 years ago. And n now that it's the technology is in the place that it is, it's it's obviously forefront, but we're, we're so behind. Uh, I, I keep coming back to this. Don't create the future that you don't want to live in. Right? Why are we, why are we so beholden to wanting, like, all right, you know what we could do? what if we started drawing everybody's blood and putting microchips <laughs> in them and, you know, chemtrails are real and like all this stuff, like, like, let's put that in the workplace. It's like, no, let's not do that. Well, I think, I think that's, that's, that's progress, right? It's like, so we're, we're like an amoeba. Like if you want to like uh, have us like an analogy, right? Here's an assembly. I don't know. I use like there. Uh, we're, we're like an amoeba. Like we, we go out a little ways, and like maybe we mess up and therefore we got to like rain it back in, like go out a little further and like you got to rain it back in. 
uh, is that what we do though? I, I should think so. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they just get, went whole hog. You know, let's surveil everything. Oh, if you're <laughs> talking about like, surveillance, yeah. Well, there are those folks. Like, I don't think it was just a little bit. Oh, let's see. If, let's do a little bit of mouse clicking tracking. It's like, no, let's surveil everything that they do, and then we'll. And then, how do you draw back from there without legislation? So this isn't necessarily surveillance, but kind of is. So like, uh, when I was fresh out of masters, uh, I worked at a company that instilled i can't remember what it's called i have a screenshot of it somewhere and it survived for years and years and years but essentially it blocked internet traffic to any website that was not approved and like their list of approved websites so they're trying to stop uh, cyber loafing you know trying to stop this and you had like uh, 10 free minutes a day to surf whatever you want like get you know go better get the most out of those 10 minutes exactly baby. like so antiquated and this sort of thing and the it staff would like make these presentations at the company meetings like we increased employee productivity you know by an hour a day by having these measures in place it's like on one hand it's like yeah people probably should be concentrating on work during work hours but B, just because you can doesn't mean you should because people still have to work here and people still have a desire to either work here or not work here. It's not necessarily a good thing just because you can. Well, and it, it's like a tragedy of the commons problem where if one employer is surveilling the crap out of their employees, but another one's like, hey, we're not going to surveil you at all. Most employees are probably going to want to move from the one that does super surveillance to another one, unless every company starts surveilling all their employees all the time, and then you have nowhere to go. Uh, I, I, we, we brought this up with uh, what Renee Davis a long time ago, as yeah. far as like the democratization. Oh yeah, yeah. democratization of data. Like there is a good way to do this. There is a good way to even like use someone's like cell phone data. Uh, Cole's cell phone data. He goes in the office. He moves around. How Let's can, not use my cell phone data, please. Yeah, I mean, like uh, anonymizing, no, I, I, I provide feedback, and like uh, say these are the, these are the sort of issues that are would increase your productivity by forty two percent today. These are sort of things that would be uh, automated and no good. You give back some sort of like benefit to the employee, but at the cost of some freedom there. So th there is a way to do it. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I, I, we, I can't remember what episode. It wasn't that long ago we talked about this. And I was like, just take the example of these sleep trackers. Yeah. Right. And they're like, I don't mind if I go on, you know, online, and I purchase a sleep tracker that helps me sleep better. Yeah. I don't like it if my employer purchases the sleep tracker that's like, hey, do you, did you not get enough sleep last night? Like, I don't want that to happen. And so the same technology can be used in a bad or a good way. It's just it's about the application of it. Uh, I mean, just because you mentioned sleep, we'll uh, bring up the third uh, nerdy talk. I think we're just kind of bounce around over all sorts of things today. But uh, it's called uh, having a creative day, understanding the entire uh, the entrepreneur's daily idea generation through recovery lens. I can't read my own writing here. Uh, so idea generation is important for entrepreneurial success. You know, solve problems, come up with new ideas, create new products, this sort of thing. And this study explores how recovery influences daily, daily idea generation. So they had people wear these they monitors and they, they go to sleep and they figure out all this sort of stuff, uh, do a diary study. 
etc. And they found that differences in mental uh, recovery help explain age-related changes. Obviously, you, you slow down in your uh, creativity as age becomes uh, uh, increases. Uh, in the multi-level analysis of these diaries from 62 entrepreneurs, uh, they they have a introduced a new state perspective to understanding creativity. And they essentially found that uh, sleep plus mulling over ideas uh, has a 3x change in uh, idea generation. And another interesting finding was uh, there's more within-person variants than between-person variants. So like you could have like a really good day or a really bad day. And that's uh, a wider gap than say like uh, your others, everyone else out there. See, my reaction to this is this is a paradox. How so? You become an entrepreneur and because things aren't going well, you're having to mull things over. Because you're mulling things over, you can't sleep. <laughs> because you can't sleep, your productivity becomes less, and therefore the cycle continues over and over again. And we also because learned you, that if you're, you're an entrepreneur, you probably have toxoplasmosis. Yes. So, Another good callback, sir. So you actually have a parasite in your brain probably keeping you up and controlling your actions anyway. And if you don't know what Scott's talking about, Go listen to our whole rant on toxoplasmosis. I don't know. When we were at Louisiana, Louisiana Tech, Tech. Yeah. That was one of my favorite and probably freakiest conversations we've had on the podcast. It's hard to beat toxoplasmosis in entrepreneurs. But I mean, like, we don't talk enough about, like, we talk about, like, well-being in the office and, like, all this sort of stuff. Uh, but, like, I don't think sleep gets enough credit. Like, I've seen, like, nap pods in offices and, like, it depends on the organization's culture and structure, like whether it's permitted to actually use those or not. There's a lot of orgs that's like, yeah, well, we'll have a, a nap pod, mm -hmm. but you're a lazy SOB if you go use it. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, and that's a very good indicator of your culture. Yeah. It's like what what is allowed, what's not allowed. But I also like <laughs> just to bring it home, and since my last name is Napper. Um <laughs> Are you a good napper or a bad napper? Like when you wake up from a nap, do you feel refreshed or do you wake up more tired? Me, I, I feel awful. Like I, I don't nap hardly ever. If if I nap, it's I, I need it badly. Like there's probably something wrong. I got like a something coming on. Hey, I, I hate these people that just like sit down and just fall right to sleep. But they annoy the shit out of me. I do enjoy a good nap, but it, it's 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 like a it's like a drug. Because if you nap for a little bit, I'm like, ah, oh, I wish I could nap a little bit longer. But if you nap for a long time, then I'm like, ah, oh, I'm so tired now that I woke up. And it's like, so like the I'm ideal nap is like eight hours. And it's like, wait, that's just <laughs> sleeping at night. It just turns out I'm really tired. That's, that's the yeah. whole goal there. Exactly. You know, like another thing we don't really talk about is like the drinking culture. And uh, well, I, we, we don't have anything on England bring it full circle back to england the but queen like, she was a drinker he <laughs> said the queen she was a drinker she do keg stands from what i understand which i don't understand much that apparently. was a good pun <laughs> but like alcohol will like i think the the horrible aspect of alcohol worse than like obviously impaired cognitive functioning this sort of thing and obviously don't drink and drive but like it robs you of sleep and that will impact you for several days. Obviously, you're not hungover, but well, I think it's REM sleep. You can sleep, but you're just well, you not. Out. That's not the same. Yeah, it's not the same. You are. Your eyes are closed. You're immobile. 
but you were not like getting the generative sleepiness, whatever yeah, sleep yeah, yeah. does for you. All the good juices from sleep are not happening. And I totally feel I'm I mean, I'm to this point, I'm getting so old, man. Like if I go past like, you know, two cocktails or something, like I, I know it's gonna affect me for like four days because of sleep. <laughs> Same, like I, I can feel it. I feel moody, and I think it's all based on sleep. Yep. And like, if you throw in, like, I mean, a lot of people are going back to the office now. Return to office, return to office culture. Go to happy hour after work. Yeah. You know, or conferences for that conferences, matter. Conferences definitely. Ooh. Oh boy, I felt, Psy-op I felt is tough. Psy-op. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still recovering. <laughs> Gosh, wow. Who's like not recovering is the the king, the king of England. Bring it all the way back around. Really good seeing you in person, man. Um, I don't know. Any words before we end the podcast with no guest? Oh, boy. Uh, no, I don't really have any great words of wisdom today. Where can you find you on LinkedIn? Yeah, Scott? that's that's my go-to response. Or uh, rate me from one to excellent. Where does excellent come from? I'm curious. I've never heard that expression until you started saying it the other day. I've heard like rate me on like one to ten or one to five, but you said one to excellent. Yeah, just be up to Okay. Because, like, that's not a real scale. It'd be like, rate me from like one to F. That would be interesting. How would I answer that? That's my point. Like, Alexis Fink blew right past it. I was like, oh. Yeah, she went, she steamrolled right over. I would call it great. Yeah. And I was like, you are lying.